0: turn our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll begin this morning in verse 3. It's where we uh, finished off last week uh, on verse 3, but we'll pick back up. We'll look at uh, verses 3 through 10 this morning. We're studying through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, okay? We learned last week that Ephesians was one of the epistles, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul... That he wrote to this church in Ephesus. This was a group of people that were meeting in this city called Ephesus, and uh, Paul was writing them a letter. Paul had a relationship with them. He first had started and established this church. He even stayed on his second on his third missionary journey. He stayed there for about two and a half years, really uh, spending some time with this group of people. And so uh, it was about 10 years after from his first missionary journey to whenever he uh, pens this letter uh, back to this church. And so, like I said, he had a real deep connection with them. And so for us, we want to be able to open up God's word and look at this book, this uh, this uh, epistle of Ephesians and what we're One of the things when we first started is we wanted to be very intentional on all things. We wanted to make sure that whatever we're doing or whatever we're asking you to do is uh, is something that is very purposeful and it's not just for tradition's sake or it just sounds good. But we really want to do it with a lot of purpose. And one of the things that was very uh, important to us was to make sure that we were studying God's Word and uh, God's Word, when you study it, guess what it does to you? It really begins to study you. You know, when you're reading a good book and you just sit there and with all this rainy weather lately and some of you like to kind of get in the, in, in the nice little comfortable chair and, and uh, just uh, curl up a little bit and read that book, well, that book doesn't read you, but the Bible, when you read it and you really get into it, it reads you. It shows you for who you are. And so we really want to challenge you. We have challenged you already to this point of being able to jump into the book of Ephesians on your own private time, your personal time at home. You study, you look, you dig into it to see what God's word has to say in this book, this specific book. And so I want to continue to encourage you on that. And so as we have looking at this book, this entire thing will take several weeks to go through it. Uh, we have titled this sermon series uh, and this book as Identified, okay? And so, Identified. And so, this morning, I titled this message, uh, and it should be on the back of your bulletin, Identified to God Through Jesus Christ. Identified to God Through Jesus Christ. And the reason that we, we're going to see this in a second, we're talking about Holy God. Let's, Let's stop and understand that for just a second. We're talking about the one who is perfect, who is just above all, creator of this universe. There's nothing bad inside of him. There's no sin inside of God. He's pure. He's holy. And so here's God and here's us. Here's mankind. How can these two have a relationship? It's impossible through man's eyes. It's impossible because if we enter, if he were to interact with us and have a relationship with us, It would make him unholy it would make him dirty it would make him unclean and so there there was something in the middle we understand that to be Jesus Christ and so we want to see what our identity is in Jesus Christ and so we know as we looked at last week that Paul makes something very clear that he was writing this book to this church in this particular city And he was writing to, when when he said the church, he was talking to them as to being saints. He talked to, uh, to them as far as people that are being set apart, not the New Orleans saints who are playing today. Right. But he was talking to believers. He was talking to Christians. You need to loosen up a little bit, you know, just because I got the, the jacket on. OK, you all can just relax a little bit. It's a lot of tension in the air between cowboys and saints uh, this this week. So anyway, uh, but he's talking to saints, people who are set apart, people who have been sanctified and are being sanctified in the Lord. And so if you are a Christian this morning, if you have placed your faith and trust in him, then he's talking to individuals like you when he's writing to them in Ephesus, and so again, we saw that he gave gives a great formal warning, uh, uh, a greeting to them uh, there in uh, the uh, verse two uh, of Ephesians, and he links the Jews and Gentiles together because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is is just whatever and whoever I should say is under the blood of Christ doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, man, woman, um, it, it just whoever is in Christ Jesus, and so. Um, He's letting them know that uh, here in these verses that all these blessings are from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us this morning, as you have a copy of God's Word and as you're looking, let's go ahead and read verse 3 this morning to really set the tone for us of where we're going in this place of identifying ourselves. In, uh, in Christ Jesus to God the Father. And so verse 3 is just one of the, I think one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible when it tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And again, I just go back to that identity. And I go back to that identified uh, and that, that message. Because when I look at this, and you see that, and this is before we get to our really our first point. But you see, and I, I'm, I was just looking and looking at it more. And uh, it's been a long week for me, and I don't want to get into my so-called study habits. But there's been a couple times this week where I felt like, okay, uh, I got this message. I'm ready to go. And then I felt like I'm starting all over again. And even last night, as I was looking at that verse 3 all over again, um, that word are just kept coming to me. And let's look at it again in that verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to saints in the Lord, believers. And he said, blessed be the God and Father, talking about God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, ours. We share in this identity through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's grouping those saints together in Christ. And he's saying, this is ours. We own it. We possess this. Because of, who we, because of who we are in Christ. And so for me, as I'm thinking about identity, I think about who I am. You know, Garen James Dardar, the only normal name that I have that I don't even use, right? James in the middle there. But Garen Dardar. And for me, there's a lot that says, you know, that, that is wrapped up in that name. You know, with my last name, Dardar, uh, you know, my parents live just a few miles uh, up the road. and uh, And sometimes they listen to the... The podcast, so I'm gonna be careful. They are interesting Cajun people, if you understand what I mean, okay? And so, uh, my dad's a little fiery, raging Cajun, uh, but I don't want to give him too much, too much of just saying on just the Cajun, but he's a, a proud Native American as well. And so, uh, you know, so that's who I am. And so, there's a lot of things that my wife, and I'll say, my wife will look at me and be like, Man, you, you sound just like your daddy, or you act like your daddy, okay? And then my mom, I, we were talking about, you know, I'm 38 right now, and, and I was telling Lisa of just, of, uh, of just you know, maybe whenever, I, for my 40th birthday, and I was just saying something about her doing something special uh, for me, and it sounded just like my mama. My mama, she's, she's throwing herself, and like I said, I'm, she listens to me on podcasts. Mom, I love you, okay? And, uh, but uh, she will throw herself her own birthday party. You know people like that, okay? And uh, we, threw, uh, she, we threw her and my, my dad an anniversary party that she make sure we understood, like, her anniversary was coming up, okay? And so all of those things, like, that is in me. I get that honest, right? I get it from my parents. And so, not only my upbringing, my parents who have raised me, my looks, my gifts, my abilities, my experiences, all of these things make up of who I am. That is my identity. And so, that is who we are, like I said, through our parents and what this world gives us. And the Bible tells us of a person that we are really all from, and that's Adam. And it all started from Adam, and it all started from Adam and Eve, and it all started from fallen man. The Bible many times refers to as what the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam, who is referred to as Jesus, came to fulfill and came to do. And so, for us who are like me, fallen man, and our separation that we have from God, what brings us together, and we can say, our Lord Jesus Christ is because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and so hopefully this morning you have a second identity that it's not just your earthly identity but you have a heavenly identity in Christ Jesus. So that's what's going to bring us to our first point this morning as we're going to look at verse 4. We are identified to God because of the human name of Jesus. Identify, uh, we are identified to God we're going to look why because of the human name of Jesus. When you see that there in verse 3 you said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. This is someone that we're saying is Lord, ruler, master of our life and he many times in the Bible it, it really says it interchangeably of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus and this morning we're going to look and see how Paul says it to this group of believers of Jesus Christ. He starts with that human name of Jesus. You remember Jesus, he was the one that was gonna come. He was the one that was gonna be not only told about from the Old Testament, but he was the one that was gonna be come, uh, that was gonna come as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was gonna be born in a manger, and the angel had told uh, the angel had told Joseph, You will name his name Jesus. He was gonna have that earthly name, and that name was gonna be the one that was gonna come. He was gonna live that sinless life on the earth 33 and a half years. And to go and die on the cross for our sins. But we're going to look at Jesus, who he is, as far as the name, the earthly name of Jesus. And as we see that Jesus, when he comes, he's coming to bring all these people on the earth. He He says, I came to seek and to save, when he came on this earth, that which were lost. When Jesus came, he, he came, he healed, he, he, killed, he, he healed the lame, he, he healed the blind, he went on doing all these miracles for people to see that he was not just a good person, he was not just a prophet, but he was coming as the one Jesus who was told about. He was going to be coming specifically, the book of Matthew tells us, from this specific tribe, he was going to come from this group of people, and all of these things led up to this one Jesus coming. And so I, our identity needs to be in Christ. And let's look at verse 4, because it really gets into some deep theological uh, discussions here when we look at verse 4. And uh, I want to read it and then I want to explain to it a little bit uh, for us so as we're going to continue to move on through uh, in our first point in verse 4, 5, and 6. But in verse 4 specifically, it says: just as He chose us, just as He chose us chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so the Bible tells us this great doctrinal truth. And, and really and truly, when I, I've, we've taken a lot of time and looked at this and dissected this. Uh, when you really look at those words, of how God chose us. And it even tells us in the next verse, or it tells us, excuse me, in this verse, in verse 4, that it was even from the foundation of the world. So before the foundation of the world, before God spoke this world into existence, He tells us here in this verse that He chose us. And so what I love about the Old Testament is that you see how God deals with the children of Israel, and you see how He chose them above other nations, and is a good parallel it's a good picture of what God has done for us in the New Testament through his New Testament church. And so I want to make something very clear to us this morning uh, before I really continue on in verses 4 and even in verse 5. Is that I do not believe salvation is, is based upon works of man. I believe salvation is in, is in uh, our surrender to God. When we look at these verses 3 through 14, the Bible really uh, if you look at it in the original text, it is one of the long, it is the longest verse in the original text. Uh, and it is, it's really, like I said, one long sentence. And in these verses 3 through 14, there's 24 verbs. 24 action verbs, and I you're saying, Garen, oh good gosh, I know we're in a school, we're talking about verbs and subjects and pronouns and prepositions and all those things. No, just stay with me for a second. There's 24 verbs in this long sentence from verse 3 through 14. 20 of it, 20 of these verses is the action of what God does for you in salvation. That God is the one choosing. God is the one that is dying on the cross. God is the one that is drawing us. God is the one doing all of these things. And we have four action verbs for us, and it's found in verse 13. When he says, in him you also trusted, because you have heard from the truth. After you have heard of the truth, uh, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so it tells us in that verse 13, in the, in the acts of our salvation, that we are to listen, that we are to receive, we are to believe, and we are to hope. And that's where it, it shows us as far as what we actually bring to the table as far as salvation. And so it tells us that He chose us. And it reminds me of, uh, or it references to me in the Old Testament of Deuteronomy chapter 7, in verses 7 and 8, Jesus, uh, God tells us, Moses and the children of Israel, it was not because you were special among the other nations that I chose you. He goes, actually, you were a few in number compared to the other nations. But he says, I loved you and I called you out. And so he tells them it's not because of them really bringing something to the table, but the love that he had for them. And even it tells us in the next chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verse one, it tells us that we ourselves were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We in in and of ourselves are not something to write home about, something special, again, that we bring to the table. If God would have me on his side, he would be so blessed. It's not that case. God takes the lowly, God takes the things that really make no sense that the world would throw away that God says is special. And God is the one that draws, God is the one that calls for man to receive him into his own, God into his life. And so it also tells us in in, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, hopefully you're writing a few of these verses down to even go back and look and study. It tells us that there's none righteous, it's talking about man. No, not one. There is none who, uh, who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Also, it tells us uh, in, in almost, in, say, contracts, uh, contrast, but also to fulfill the whole thing of back and forth. Uh, Luke 19.10 says is that Jesus comes to seek and to save that which were lost. And so for us, we understand we see Jesus doing all of the work for man to be able to choose him. And people really get wrapped up of of how much does God do and how much does man do. Uh, This quote that I uh, found this week just talking about the mystery of divine sovereignty of how God is in control, God is working, God is the one doing and human responsibility. Where does that completely fall in salvation of just how much of, of which will probably never be solved in this life. But I love John 6, uh, 37, and I want you to write that verse down, John 6:37. To me, it really kind of wraps it up as far as what we're talking about here. And it's Jesus uh, praying and talking, uh, and he says that all that the Father, he's speaking to the, to the disciples around him, he says, all that the Father gives me, all that God the Father has given to Jesus will come to me, will come to Jesus, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out." And so this so reminds me of the children of Israel. If you remember this story, the children of Israel were just wiping out everybody. They, were, they had crossed over the Jordan River. The Jordan River had opened wide. It was, it was at the point, uh, they tell us that it was at the peak season, it was at flood season, that the water, the river water of the Jordan was just overflowing with water. And so God, again, this is how God works. God will take a, when it all seems lost and all hopeless, that's when God's going to just open up the floodgates and really come through so that we can't blame it or give the credit to other people. We can just say it was only God. So anyway, I don't want to get too much in that story, but they cross over the Jordan River. All the many nations ahead of them heard about how God open up the Jordan River for them. They go into the territory after territory and they're conquering all of these different uh, lands and all these different kingdoms on their journey to the Jordan River and even past the Jordan River and they get to this place called Jericho. Now God had a chosen people, did he not? God had chosen the children of Israel. he chosen specifically Jacob and his children as his own. He says, I knew you, I chose you and he brings them in and the they sent out some spies, if you, hopefully you're with me, and this is in the book of Joshua, that uh, Joshua, as the leader, sends out some spies to go and uh, seek out the new place that they're going to come up against, and that place is called Jericho. And they go, they make their way to the wall of Jericho, and they run into this lady named Rahab, okay? And so Rahab, she's not a Jew, she's not part of God's chosen people, and so Rahab, she says, listen, I will hide you here in this wall and I will do this if you do this for me. She goes, if you, when you come back to take and, and uh, wipe out my people, will you spare me and my family? And she goes, I have heard of your God. And she goes, she goes I have heard of your God and I want your people to save me. She was displaying her faith in who their God was. And because of that, she was brought in into God's family. When they came in and they go, uh, go and take down the walls of Jericho and it just goes down flat, she is saved. All of the people that were in her house were saved. And not only did she just come in and be a lowly little, you would say, a servant in, this, in, this, uh, in God's chosen people, but this Rahab was, we've kind of heard of a man named David, right? King David, a little nods this morning, yeah, a little bit. Okay, we've heard of King David. Well, this Rahab is, in, is David's great-grandmother. So she's just not placed at a lowly little spot, but God uses her in such a dynamic way that he brings her into the fold, brings her in to God's chosen people, And God gives her a place, a place of of great prominence as far as being able to be uh, the great grandmother of David, meaning that she's also in the bloodline of our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's always a place, I'm telling us, for people to choose the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how you look at this particular situation. Let's continue on uh, in verse 5. He tells us, well, let's, I don't want to move on to verse 5, excuse me. Let's go back to verse 4. He tells us that he's chosen us in him, in Christ. The reason that we have, have any kind of, uh, uh, the reason that we have anything is because we're found in the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. And he tells us, he gives us this command, though, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, And so we should be, people get so wrapped up on that, okay, how did God choose me? How do I have a a relationship with God? Was it up to my doing or, you know, how much did I do? How much did God call and all those things? But if you understand and know you have a relationship with God, God is giving us a command here that we should walk holy lives, that we should be holy, we should be without blame before, before God in love. And so it's telling us that we don't have a right if we say we have, uh, uh, we have a relationship with God to just live our life the way we want to. He's telling us that we should be holy, we should be without blame. Are we going to be perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, be very clear that I am not perfect. I don't say that bragging to us, but sometimes uh, people think that as a preacher, we live a pretty close, perfect life. Jake does, but I don't. OK, I just don't. I wish I did. I wish I was perfect. I wish I was without blame. But you know what? That is my aim. That is my goal to live as Christ lived on this earth. I should be holy without blame in my life. And when I mess up, I gave my parents a hard time a while ago and I grew up in a minister's home. And there's a lot of guys that I kind of grew up with in ministry as far as their you know, minister's kids. And most of them are pretty whacked out. That was a little joke, but anyway, some of them were a little... Because they, they looked at mom and dad, they looked at daddy especially, and they would say, he's a hypocrite. Because at church, he acts one way, and at home, he acts another way. Well, I appreciated my dad, and my mom, but specifically my dad, of how he would yell, he would get on to me, I would usually do something pretty dumb... But when he would mess up and he would step out of line and he would sin, he wasn't perfect, he owned up to it. He didn't pretend like he was perfect. And that's the only thing that I can equate to maybe of just understanding that maybe those dads had a facade and sometimes as church people we have this fake facade that we put in front of other people and sometimes even our own family and our own children that were perfect When we're not. But our aim is to be like Christ. And when we mess up, we own up to it. We ask God for forgiveness and we move on. But we do have a mandate if he tells us that we have been chosen in him. The children of Israel, they needed to understand they had the stamp. They had everything of God on their life. When they would go in and and victory, it was because of God had the victory for them. And the next battle they went into, it was in defeat. So all the people around them heard of God as a God of defeat. And it was because of sin of God's people. Many times our, our, our city, our town, our, uh, the people around us and, and where we work and what we're doing, they're not experiencing Christ because they see defeat in our life. They don't see the power of God because we're not living holy and blameless before them. In a real sense, let's continue on in verse five because I'm, I'm losing losing time. In verse five, it tells us, "Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself." And he tells he's telling us here. Not and we can get into this more later, and I'll explain of how in, through our community groups we can really get into this more. But even in that predestined he's talking about from even before it was it, it was uh, designated for us to live a certain life even before time and he's telling us that he was even uh, predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will and he's saying here's this place here's this uh, uh, place that I had you to live out in your life and he was even before the foundation of the world it was from the very beginning that I had this box for you to live in as far as in Christ and so he's showing us a responsibility Now, let's not forget verse 3 as I'm saying this to us. So let's listen quickly. I'm going to get through this, okay? In verse 5, he's telling us that we have the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. And so, you know, I gave us our earthly reference. And, you know, I shared even last week, I gave my parents a hard time again last week. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, again. That I'm just hoping they don't leave me dead. I'm not looking for a great inheritance. Anybody else with me? Okay, Noah? All right. I'm just looking for no debt. I'm looking for, be, that would be great for me as my inheritance, all right? And so uh, here he's telling us, when we're in Christ, that we have the adoption, that we have been brought in, we do have a heavenly inheritance. But he's telling us, even going back to verse 3, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and we don't have to wait for our parents to pass away. We don't have to wait for us, as even, a, even as a, a young Christian, maybe it's only been a month that you've been a believer, or you are only been a believer for, let me say, 17 years, because we look at adulthood as 18 years of age, or maybe 21 years of age. You don't have to wait until you get to a certain age to experience certain things in Christ. He's telling us that He has poured out every spiritual blessing upon us Right now, as adopted children of His, but you have those blessings now. And so that is something to write home about. That is something to shout about this morning. In verse 5, He's saying that He has done this for us according to what? To, uh, To His good pleasure of His will. It's all about Him. We, we have to understand that. It's all for his praise. It's all for uh, his honor, if, if his glory. And listen, if we would just die to our will, that's salvation, first of all, by the way, is dying to our will of what Garen wants to do, coming to the end of that and receiving his will for my life. See, in my will, I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do right. All this work and I keep falling short and I keep on wanting to do what I want to do. And he's telling us, and I think that's going to make me happy, but he's telling us if we would, allow, we would live in his will that he has, not only for him, but what he has for us in our life, that is where we could live in praise and honor and glory of the Lord. And that's what he tells us in verse 6. To this, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us acceptable Accepted, excuse me, in the beloved. He's telling us, listen, he has, amen, he has brought us in and we have been accepted in Christ. Because of Christ, because of what he's done for us, because of this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes coming and living this life and giving us hope, whoever is found in him, in Christ, he's telling us we are now accepted. In Christ. When we are between us, our sinful self, and we look at holy God, He's telling us that we have been accepted in the beloved. And that is a I mean, that is unbelievable. I was talking to a great preacher, I think he's a great guy. I was talking to him this week, and he was talking to me about politics in sports. and sports. And and he's talking about local sports. And I don't think anybody in this room would say that they have just, you know, have that silver spoon, that they just, everything is just working for them. Most people, most people, I think, even in this room, think that they don't have those breaks as other people. Right? Am I looking, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm on the, uh, this is the high and mighty this morning. But most of the people i talk to, and even the ones that are in this room, don't think that things have just been handed to them. And right here he's telling us when we're found in Christ, that we have been accepted, that we have been brought in to God Almighty. We're of the, as you would say, the elite. The best of the best because of not just, I already told you about my name, Garen Dardar, And my family, who I love and I'm very proud of. But that's nothing compared to who I am in Christ Jesus. So we've been brought in. And so let's move on to our last point, and we'll be done this morning. And it tells us we are identified to God because of the heavenly title of Christ. Jesus in the first point and Christ in our last point. The heavenly title of Christ. And that name really gives us an understanding of the promise, not only of Jesus, but the promised Messiah. It tells us in verse 7, in Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And listen, we are a people that did not deserve Anything. Going back to verse 4. Why would God choose me? Why would God choose me in order to, for Him, His Spirit, to work inside of me and to show me my need for a Savior? My parents, I, 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 they have a relationship with God. I didn't get grafted into the family of God because of my parents' relationship with God. I'm very thankful that my parents showed me and told me even in a even somewhat of a traditional setting in church not to be wrapped up in a in a religious system but to understand what it was to have a relationship with Christ that was shown to me God's Spirit was working in me for me to see that listen there's nothing good inside of me and he's telling me here in this verse in verse 7 that I was a person that was in debt, and I had no way out, and he paid a price for me, Jesus did, God did through his son Jesus Christ for me on the cross, and he was the one that redeemed me. He was the one that pulled me out of that miry clay. He is the one that pulled me on the destination that I was once going, which was separation from God, hell, eternity separated from God. And he's telling us here in this verse that Jesus Christ has redeemed us, and so our redemption is found in him. Through what? Through His blood. Jesus, Jesus, when He died on the cross for our sins, it had to be a bloody battle. It had to be Him losing His blood for us because that we had looked at that in the past, over the last few months as well, talking about that was the only thing that was going to appease the Father and have forgiveness of sins. It was going to be through the shedding of blood. And Jesus did that for you and I. And He says, not... Only the, uh, He tells us we have redemption through his blood, and he tells us what that is, the forgiveness of sins. Knowing that, again, people think preachers, like I said, Jake, that is perfect, right? But then people think on the flip side, well, I've done this, 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 and this, and my sin is too great. You don't know what I've done. And people just constantly talk about that. They're they're the worst sinner ever. And and we always want to one-up each other. If we told a story this morning, well, guess what I did whenever I was this age or just a couple years ago? I did this, and boy, I'm telling you, it's like a fishing story, right? And everybody wants to one-up the other person. Well, okay, well, I did that, but I did this as well. And to know, when we get real honest, we're all a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. And he tells us here in this verse that he has forgiven our sins. I serve a God no matter how deep those sins are and all of those things that his blood was strong enough, big enough, enough to forgive the sins of the people. And it says according to the riches of his grace. It's not according to who I am and what kind of grace that I give out to people. But it was based upon his riches in grace, verse 8, which he made To abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. God is letting us know and he's telling us of the the things that he wants us to do through his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And so he's telling us we should be a people because because of the price and the redemption that God has given us. That we should be a people that are living holy, blameless lives, that we are living a life that is pleasing up to the Father because we're seeking His will. Think about it like this. Sometimes we've got to just take a break from Scripture or not. and just kind of, okay, what all we are experiencing here? You think about your life this week, whether it's about this job or that job, this career or that career or what's going on with my spouse, what's going on with my finances, what's going on with my children? What's going on with my life, what's going on with my emotions? And bottom line, what's going on with my will? All of these things that are our prayers, these things that are on our minds, how much of that are we literally realistically taking those things to the Lord? with our life how many how much conversation are we having with God as far as what is his will through all of those things in our life and that's what he's telling us here that we are a people that he is wanting to make known to us he is wanting those things to be made known to us the mystery of what God's will is according to his good pleasure because of he, how much He loved us in choosing us and caring for us and wanting us to be able to not just care for us and love us in salvation, but in our everyday lives. Continuing on in verse 10 and we're done. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the, of the times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ. The Bible tells us very clearly that Everything that has been done has been done through the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it was creation and now salvation. All of these things have been done through Christ. It's for him and it's through him. And he's saying that he has done all of these things and all these things will be fulfilled as God gathers. All of these things together will be done in Christ, both which in heaven and on earth in him. And so the last thing that I'm going to say this morning about this message is to understand i said a lot of words. Can we get at least one amen this morning? I pray at some point in time in your life that up to this point that God has spoken to your heart to see for you to reveal and let you see who you are. Meaning that we fall desperately short of God's glory and who God is and we desperately need the redemptive work of God to be it's already been done for us on the cross but for us to be able to be found in Christ and when you look at scripture as a whole you see a God who makes a way for people to respond to him. He tells us if we call upon the name of the Lord. That we'll be saved. That we can have a relationship with God. I go back to old Rahab. Great grandmother who was a harlot. and She said I've heard of the things of God. And I know that this God is real. And I know that this God is powerful. And I know this God can save. And he goes, she said, I want to be a part of that. Remember me. I want to be a part of that. And she called upon them who knew God so that she could be saved, that she could have a relationship and be under that promise of God. And so for us, I encourage you this morning first and foremost, do you know him? Are you in Christ? I sure hope so, and if not, today, the Bible tells us, is the day of salvation. But this book, let's not forget, it was written to Christians, and it was for Christians. It was for believers, it was for saints, and he's telling us that we should be a people of victory, and we should be a redemptive people that are excited and just so thankful of the things of God. What kind of I say this, and for me, in, in somewhat of a convicting, convicting uh, a message, even, like I said, to me. And I hope it even blesses you, and I hope it challenges you. But what kind of life am I showing the people around me of who Christ is? Am I the victory that we see in the walls of Jericho falling down when, hey, the battle is, li- is real, it's right there in front of me, and it's big? but God can tear down those walls. Or do I strut to the other, the other little town after Jericho to Ai, and there's sin in my heart, there's sin in my camp, as the Bible describes it in Ai, and they are defeated? What life am I living as a believer, as a saint, to say that the God inside of me is real and powerful, and that I pray that you would receive him as well. And I saw, hope that's a challenge to us this morning looking at this passage of scripture. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I pray that we would uh, be able to take this time and respond to the message that we heard this morning. I pray for one, maybe one or even more this morning that have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. Meaning that they've never committed their life to you, meaning surrender their life to you this morning. I pray your spirit would continue to work on them and to really show them for your saving grace, Lord God. And I pray this morning, Lord God, for Christians... As well. I pray that we as believers, Lord, would be able to really do the things that you want us to do by looking to you each and every day of our lives and examining of where we're at and putting all those things at your feet and putting all of our burdens and our cares upon you, Lord God, because you could handle those things. Not only can you bear them, Lord God, but you could help us through those things to see what you are trying to accomplish in and through our lives. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that we in this time of response would leave different. I pray we would leave this place of worship today, Lord God, in a place of understanding what what my real mission is in my life. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. They're going to lead us in this time of worship and response. But I'm going to ask you to please respond to the Lord this morning. If that means coming and speaking to me and taking me by the hand and just wanting to sit down and pray and talk about salvation or maybe your walk with the Lord, let's do that. Let's respond. If you need to take some time and just pray this morning in your seat or you need to pray with someone else, let's do that this morning. Let's give this time to the Lord.